You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, a UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 113 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the kitchen studio, as always this week, is my co-host Matt. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Hello on everyone in the chat room. Nice busy chat room today. It's been a while since... Well, I say it's been a while since we did one on a Friday. You did one on a Friday. I did one. um, Because I was stuck on a train and I didn't get to it, did I? uh, No, we we won't talk about that. I'll get told off. No. Yes, yes. Well so, uh, so yes, thanks for joining us for episode 113. It's the 20th of May. It is. And it's 10 minutes past the seventh hour of yes, the evening. Yes. We like to start late. Obviously. We like to start late, yeah. <laughs> we've, been, we've been messing around. For those of you who joined us uh, earlier on, you've been listening to me and Matt run on the uh, biggest mm. of nonsense for the last yes. quarter of an hour, 20 hey. minutes. <laughs> What do you mean no, nonsense? I know. But no, uh, welcome everyone in the chat room. Uh, yeah. Myla, Martin Holmes, Matty Fab, uh, Masha Gert, Schudbacher, Jonathan Warner, Philip Davis, uh, Masha, yeah, we've got Myla, John, oh, I'm just growing, growing, up this, growing up the list here. It'll probably crash on me or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, Micah, the main man, Micah's in there as well. I should, I should just say, actually, while he's doing that, they're, cha- they're talking in the chat room about the uh, Farnborough T-shirts for the APG. Yes, yes. Um, d- did you order one? Well, I haven't ordered one, Because oh, no. we should be wearing our own uniform well, oh, for yeah, the I know, uh, show. I, I suppose that's true, yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah. uh, Stuart Buckers, he's ordered his uh, APG yeah. uh, T-shirt and stuff. So, I've, um, yeah, well, me and Matt will be there with our, uh, our Plain Talking UK mm. shirts on, as yeah. always. And very much looking forward to it this um, yeah, it's Farnborough. Gonna be, it's it's yeah, going to be absolutely. absolutely massive this year. Yeah. Uh, although, I, although our, fir- our first air show is actually on um, on uh, next Sunday, so it's a week yes, tomorrow for yeah, us. Yeah, we yeah. are. Me and Matt uh, have been uh, invited over to Bruntingthorpe mm. for the um, Cold War Jets Day at yeah. Bruntingthorpe. And we're actually going to go. Yeah, yeah, well, we're going to go. We're going to have a road trip. Our first air show of uh, 2016. Yeah. We're going to travel down to uh, Bruntingthorpe, which is out towards Leicester. Somewhere, I think. Jonathan's uh, saying for, we, for should do t- we should do we should do t-shirts as well. Well, we we have got <laughs> we are we have got t-shirts, but the trouble is, like, yeah. once we're going to have to try and work out if yeah. we can um, cost them um, appropriately. As, well, and also as much as I'd, sadly we don't quite have the fan base that Jeff has either. Yeah. So it yeah. would, <laughs> you know, it'd be a very small run, which might make them a bit expensive. We, we for need people, we but, need a, a bit, yeah. bit bit more of a fan base. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. So so if anybody wants to sort of help spread the word, we'd be eternally grateful. Yes. The Patreon yeah. word, <laughs> indeed. And on that note, on that note. Yes, for those of you uh, who uh, donated by Patreon, we have had uh, a new donator on the Patreon fund this week. So uh, a big thank you to uh, Jenny or Jennifer Parkinson. Yeah, uh, Jenny, she's uh, donated uh, via pa- Patreon. Yes. And uh, yeah, thank you ever so much, Jenny Parkinson, for your uh, very kind Patreon donation. No, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you'd like to make a donation to the Patreon fund, uh, all you need to do is take yourself to www.patreon.com and then search for Plain Talking UK. So it's patreon.com forward slash Plain Talking UK. Uh, a dollar is fine. Anything is absolutely fine. Yeah. Anything. Oh, that yeah. uh, helps to sort of help keep. We use it basically to help pay for the show because obviously as you appreciate server fees and things when you're doing a show like this. We also use it for software upgrades and things like that. Uh, we have Patreon to thank for um, being able to do HD video 
uh, and that. So, uh, yes, also... And, and we just recently, with uh, a, a small bit of what we got from this month's Patreon, we mm. brought a new bit of kit. We have, yes. Uh, to enable us to do videos and high-quality sound at the air show. At the air show, yes. So we're hopefully yeah. going to have some video content uh, with, with, our, with our interviews and things. As long as people let us. Some of them may not, but uh, we don't really know. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully they'll let us uh, video them as well. Yeah, that'd be good. So, uh, yeah, Very so... We'll turn that off there. So we'll get yes, rather absolutely. comfortable in here. Yeah, absolutely. So don't I'm forget, gonna, I'm, we'll, I'm off going to get my smoking jacket. He's off to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got my slippers on. Um, but no, for the for those of you in the UK who uh, might be going to Bruntingthorpe and uh, on the 29th of May. Yes. Uh, yeah, me next and Matt, week. Yeah, next weekend, yeah, next Sunday, me and Matt uh, will be there. Yeah. So uh, if you are in the area, do please come and find mm. us. We'll be wearing our PTUK t-shirts, and uh, yeah, come and say hello. Yeah. So we better kick things off. We had. Yes. Uh, so we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Yes, I certainly am. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story then on, uh, well, it's on the Sky News site, but I mm. mean, every news channel has been covering uh, the news the last couple of days. And obviously it's regarding the e Egypt Air, Airbus A320 that uh, that uh, went down in the sea yeah. um, due to, well, nothing's been confirmed we yet. We don't know is the short answer. We don't know. Um, we're not, we're not going to... Uh, you know, we're not going to say uh, what what uh, what it is because we don't know. We what, don't know. What brought I don't think well, nobody does, do they? Yet. Um, all we've got then for you. I mean, you, most of you guys and girls will have followed the news stories uh, regarding uh, the Egypt Air A320 MS804 uh, that disappeared from uh, radar uh, and and uh, just off the coast of Greece. Uh, it's um, well, it's it's a terrible story mm, indeed. indeed. Uh, yeah. It's not very not very nice at all. It's. Um, it's it's very sad indeed it has happened again to, mm. to Egypt Air because they had that incident earlier on in the month with the uh, hijacking of one mm. of their aircraft as well, um, which which had a good outcome because it's, uh, it was it was you know it's yeah. concluded uh, fairly well. But uh, the latest reports then from Sky News uh, that they've um, they've said in the last kind of hour is that uh, debris that uh, from the plane uh, has been found. Uh, 290 kilometres or 180 miles from the Egyptian city of Alexandra. Uh, the wreckage which has been recovered will be analysed by British and French and Egyptian investigators and an expert from Airbus as well, uh, officials have said. Um, Egypt Air said on Twitter that radar contact with the plane was lost at uh, around tw uh, 295 kilometres uh, from the Egyptian coastline. Uh, the flight which left Paris, Charles de Gaulle, at 10.09 uh, uh, p.m. BST, British Standard Time, on Wednesday, uh, vanished at 1.30 uh, a.m., uh, just over three hours and 40 minutes into its journey uh, towards Cairo. Uh, the European Space Agency said one of its satellites had spotted a possible oil slick in the same area. And also, uh, for those of you who look on uh, Aviation Herald, We'll uh, have no doubt seen uh, the report on there with the um, the satellite photo of the uh, oil slip, the oil which slip, the yeah. satellite has uh, found. Uh, as we know, as we, me and Matt have both been discussing before we started the show, you know, we're not mm. going to jump to any conclusions as to what we think happened on the flight because we don't mm. know. Not until they have um, officially obviously announced officially it. announced it. Um, but I mean, there are you know reports it could have been a bomb. Uh, 
or it could have been something technical. We we just don't know. But no. very sad news I mean, indeed. The, on, um, the only thing we can we can say is obviously that the media reports have been sort of basically saying that it's highly unlikely that it was a mechanical failure at the root of of what happens. That's the only official. Um, sort of bit of news we really can have. Uh, we we have missed out. If if you want to read the story in full, it is uh, sky uh, news sky com forward slash stories. Uh, just basically search for that. There are some elements of it that are quite graphic in this report that we've already we've chosen to omit because, mm. to be honest, we're not one hundred percent sure of of everyone who's listening to the show, and we don't want to sort of alarm. Uh, or, or startle anyone. So, as I say, uh, those are the basically the bare facts. Um, but it, it, certainly, the start of the story makes some quite gruesome reading with regard yeah. to uh, what's been uh, sort of located so far. I mean, the search. Obviously, they're going to start the search now. Then they're yep. going to focus on the hunt for the plane's black boxes. Yep. Uh, which uh, most I you seem know, to remember well, uh, one of the reports saying that the, the beacon had been yes received, the beacon the, yeah. the signal had been detected. They've so got to uh, they've got to pinpoint those and obviously locate yep. uh, where that's coming from. Yep. Uh, I've got no idea how deep the sea is there in that particular no, part, but no it deep. is. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's 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 not hugely yeah. distant away from yeah. land. I mean, it could it could be yeah. not as deep as what um, mm. you know some of the crashes that have gone down the sea yeah. before have been quite uh, yeah. in deep so, water. So, uh, <laughs> in the spirit of what, um, let's be honest, uh, sensationalist story um, reporting by uh, all media, not just UK media, but I think around the world, we're hopefully we've just brought you what I what what we know as the facts at this stage. Um, but um, we will obviously just double-check that there's been no further updates um, before we finish the show. So, uh, But uh, we will obviously will continue to, to, uh, to keep an eye on the news reports during, during the time we're doing the show, yep. Yep. and uh, we'll obviously and uh, come back to you uh, with anything we, we hear during the show. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on then to yes, our next story, the next story which yes, uh, back, is... Back to normal. Which back to normal. <laughs> which basically means um, it's a Ryanair story. Story two is always a Ryanair story. <laughs> And this is on the website thisismoney.co.uk and the headline is Passengers Flight. Uh, uh, passengers fight Ryanair to win back rip-off fees for printing off boarding passes at the airport. Ryanair customers have been forced to pay big sums for printing off boarding passes or changing details on travel documents uh, could see the charges overturned in court. Online firm Chase Hub um, has, or Case Hub, sorry, is launching a legal action against the airline and signing up passengers who have been hit by the fees. In recent years, customers have been stung by charges of up to 70 euros, that's 55 pounds in sterling, to replace a boarding pass card uh, or to check in at 160 euros, that's 126 pounds. Uh, pounds sterling to amend documents uh, in an attempt to improve its image Ryanair has reduced some of these costs but uh, Case Hub says that people who have already paid such charges should be able to reclaim them it is its legal sorry its legal experts argue that the fees which can triple the cost of a flight are illegal under EU rules that bar companies from hitting companies with unfair contracts it says Ryanair has raked in £328 million from these charges, including interest growth on the cash since 2009. There is no upfront fee for signing up to the case, known as a class action, which will be heard in the Irish courts. However, Case Hub will deduct 40% uh, of any cash won to the courts as a fee uh, and to cover legal costs. It could take two years or more for the case to receive a verdict. A sign up, uh, sign up to the case at caseup.com forward slash Ryanair. A Ryanair spokesman declined at this stage to comment. 
printing out boarding passes yeah. for how much? Yes, uh, an alarming amount of alarming uh, seventy <laughs> odd euros. Seventy <laughs> euros. I mean, it's just too much money, isn't it? I know, I know. But yeah. I mean, how many how many people do forget to print them out? I mean, I, that's the first uh, when I book mm-hmm. the flight and uh, you know, and I and I check in online. The first thing I do is is print a boarding pass out. I mean, I, um, I got I. I <laughs> Or can't you use the app now? You've got you the can, uh, Ryanair app. Depending on with, which airport you're, you're flying out yeah, of. Yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Account, the, the um, but, uh, yeah, code. I've got to be honest, because uh, it's a QR code, isn't it, that, you, that yeah. you get with it. I've got to be honest, I'm kind of with Ryanair on this one, because everybody knows before they go that they need to print off the boarding pass. So if you turn up to Stansted Airport, as an example, without your bar- boarding pass, that's just, just, just crazy. Mm. I mean... I can't. I, I don't know. I, I kind of don't mind Ryanair. Uh, if you had a problem, for example, if it was torn or it wouldn't read the barcode or something like that, then um, I don't think you should be charged. Yeah, Mash has just put in the chat room. Actually, she said, mm. uh, "Just just get the Ryanair app." Just get the Ryanair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Most most people have smartphones now. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some have got iPhones, but um, well, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Splendid. Uh, Let's get sued by Apple, everyone. Uh, Right, yes. So next story then is on the Travel Mull website. And the headline, Thomas Cook uh, ordered to compensate passenger after plane was impounded. Oh, dear. Uh, This is actually going back to a story a few years back, but it's only now come through the courts. Uh, A judge at Manchester County Court ordered Thomas Cook uh, to pay almost £20,000 in compensa- uh, compensation to passengers who were stranded in Cancun uh, for two days when their plane was impounded by the Mexican government. The judgment was handed down today after an appeal hearing in March. Uh, ju- judge Maine awarded uh, Ali Lewis and 41 other passengers £487.80 each for a 43-hour delay. Whoa. In, uh, in today's ruling, Judge Main said the, the origin of the event here, a dispute over landing and navigation fees, was an event inherent of the normal exercise of the activities of an air carrier. Mm. Flight TCX325 from Cancun to Manchester Airport was scheduled to depart at half past five on a Saturday, December the 1st, in 2012. Wow, that has took a long time to come through the courts. It has, not it? But hundreds of passengers were delayed for 43 hours when the Mexican authority, Senam, impounded the aircraft. Uh, Senam accused the airline of failing to pay a compulsory $200 air navigation charge, preventing the aircraft from departing until the alleged fee was uh, outstanding. Fee was paid. Mm. Uh, the airline dismissed the claim that there was uh, any debt outstanding. Thomas Cook representatives said also that they have attempted, or they did attempt to pay the fee to Senam when they were told the plane would not be allowed to fly, but the authority would not accept cash or a check. How rude. <laughs> the airline was told it must use a payment process that was not in operation over the weekend, meaning the airline could not pay until Monday morning. Passengers were sent to a hotel for two nights. I mean, when you're in Mexico... On holiday, <laughs> if the airline's going to pay for you to have right. two extra yeah. nights in okay. a hotel... There are worse places you could spend two extra nights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the story goes on, but I mean, it, obviously this has been ruled and, and these guys got mm. the payout uh, from Thomas Cook for the delay. I mean, 487 quid each, I mean, that's... Um, mm. That's that's not bad, I suppose. A forty-three hour delay. That's um, that's quite a good bit of money, yeah, I think, for, for two days. It's not that big a delay, though, is it? 
Really? Two days. No. That's not that much. I mean, if they were delayed two days in the UK flying out to Mexico, I mean, that would be terrible. <laughs> you'd, you be, know. you'd be, I'd be furious. fuming. You'd be I'd be fuming. It's <laughs> steaming. But, yeah. you know, they, they, they were delayed in Mexico yeah. coming back to the UK. I mean, I'd, I'd have been happy with a, with well, a week's delay. I'm obviously, I'm obviously in the wrong here, as I say. I'm just, just reading the chat room here, and um, uh, Mash is saying that doesn't sound much like compensation for such a delay. No, well, uh, uh, I don't no. know. How yeah. much compensation do we want? Yeah, well, how mm. much? Is, I, I, I suppose. Well, how much is the flight? That's, that's should. I mean, should you get uh, an, an hourly rate for, for compensation oh, well, for each hour? That for each hour. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that that could be uh, uh, could be a good ruling. Actually, every hour um, that you miss, especially if you're missing work as well, right. compensation for that. Hello, they're busy ordering Chinese in the chat room. Are they all, the who's <laughs> ordering Chinese takeaway in the chat room? Honestly. Oh dear! Well, because oh. they're, they're settling down for the evening, you see, with us. I know. See, that's good. I, that's no, good. Good on. Yeah. Good on. Good Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Come on. Saturday night television is rubbish, anyway. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> but they, they were here with us anyway, so yeah, that's absolutely. the main thing. Yeah. Right. So next story. Yep. Especially for you, Matt. Is it okay? Yes. Uh, really, <laughs> uh, Ryanair again? <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> uh, do we get royalties from Ryanair? Oh, we should do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the website is uh, not one I've come across. This is Hospitality Ireland is the website, and the headline says O'Leary says Ryanair fares will go down to twenty-five euros. And wow! A charming picture of uh, Mr. O'Leary there. <laughs> he looks happy. Uh, so Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary uh, has said that the average cost of a Ryanair flight will be twenty-five euros in future. Future after the carrier reduces, reduces its fuel costs. According to the Irish Times, this will be made possible by the introduction of its new fleet of 200 Boeing 737s, which O'Leary called a game-changer. The planes, due to come into circulation between 2019 and 2023, so we've got a little while to wait before we start getting yeah. these, these reduced <laughs> flights, and I dare say it'll be 2023 by the time he actually puts it in when the entire fleet is uh, said new aircraft. But anyway, uh, this will reduce fuel con- uh, consumption per passenger by up to 19% while increasing the amount of passengers on board by 8. O'Leary said that the airline was looking for creative ways to reduce fuel costs which represent around 45% of the carrier's costs. If we can reduce that by a double digit number it means that we are again getting closer and closer to my idea where ultimately we can lower our average fares from around 45 euros to just 25 euros he said. O'Leary predicted the airline will overtake EasyJet as the largest carrier in the UK by the end of 2016. It is also planning to be the second biggest in Germany within a similar time frame. Good old Brian Air. <laughs> so that uh, 25 euros then flight, yes. yep. uh, that equates to 19... Uh, it's today's exchange rate. Yeah. Uh, equates to £19 in our money, in mm. UK pounds, and $28 in... Yep. Well, in American dollars. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, so, what, so 19 quid for a, for a ticket to, oh, to wear... Not bad at all. Peter doesn't know where that where that's going to be too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, unless that's from um, Stansted to, to Gatwick. <laughs> Long distance then. Long yeah. distance flight <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, so next uh, next story. Uh, moving along on the business traveller site. This one mm-hmm. and the headline: Gatwick opens world's largest self service bag drop zone. What? It's huge. There's a picture. We'll put that on okay. in a second. All right. Yeah. Uh, Gatwick what, Airport. Uh, Gatwick Airport has opened what it says is the world's largest self-service bag drop zone at the airport's north terminal. 
The £36 million project took 18 months to complete and saw 5,000 square metres of tiling being laid, uh, 850 metres of baggage and 7,000 uh, 7, metres of cabling belt used and 23 tonnes of conveyor installed. <laughs> Goodness me. The new system increases Gatwick's peak check-in capacity from 3,000 passengers to 4,350 passengers per hour. Wow. Uh, in January 2017, EasyJet will consolidate all of its Gatwick services into the North Terminal, uh, wow. with BA moving to the South Terminal okay. and Virgin Atlantic switching to the North Terminal. Uh, other works to be carried out at the North Terminal are going to include a well-leading new security area with 10 lanes, uh, which is going to cost uh, 30 million and half the tra uh, passenger transit times and enable Gatwick to process 5,000 passengers an hour. Uh, there's going to be a 10 million refurbishment uh, of the terminal's arrival area due to open for a peak summer period. Uh, there's going to be another £10 million uh, spent to upgrade the terminal's border zone, including 15 recently opened e-gates. And also there's a total of £250 million uh, committed to maintaining and replacing facilities, including lifts, escalators and the technology infrastructure. Uh, the airport has also spent £80 million uh, reconfiguring Pier 5, also at Gatwick. So uh, the picture you saw, obviously you saw that on the screen now. Yes. It's, it's just one massive room to it check is. your bag in uh, rather than um, seeing, seeing a nice person at a desk, which okay. I quite like. It's all, that's a part of the, the airport experience is yeah, going up see, to the check-in desk. You and see, um, humans cost human money, Human interaction. Though. No, but they cost money. They're much more expensive than machines. <laughs> I know. It just takes all the... F I mean, it, it'll soon be... that Going to the airport will just be like... Soon it'll just be going yeah. to the shop to buy a pint of milk. Yeah, there'll be no... Um, That's a good thing. There'll be no sort of no, excitement no, no, no. about Human, going to an Humans airport. are bad news. Being involved, you know, the least amount of communication with human beings, the better. Yeah. <laughs> it's if they work, though, because, I mean, if... I if am, they're of course, any, joking. If these bag drop um, machines are anything like those pass, uh, the passport uh, machines at, uh, at Stansted and, and Gatwick, then, uh, well... Here we go. That'll mm -hmm. be interesting yeah. to see because they never work. Well, no, one no, or no. two of them works. Um, <laughs> I actually had a comment uh, following on from that, Matt, yes. from uh, someone uh, who I work with who uh, who said to me that he was coming back through. I think it was either I think either Stansted or Gatwick, mm. and there was um, ten of these e-passport uh, gates. I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> there was there was ten of them, uh, and and four of them were open. And yeah. there, was a, there was a person showing people who couldn't do it properly right. to go through. Yeah. The queues were building. And when, uh, when my friend asked this, this security chap why they didn't open the rest of the gates, the, the, the you know, electronic automatic gates, his, the answer he got was that there wasn't enough staff to stand there and help everyone who couldn't <laughs> go through the... Now, I thought the whole thing of yeah, having... To do away with the human. To do away with the human. But, oh, I don't that, know. That, that, that went go. really well, yes. Absolutely. Oh, dear. I know. Uh, a, a very good evening to Neil Townsend, by the way. Good evening, the, the Neil Townsend. The legend that Minnie is watching live. Is he watching live? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hello, yeah. Neil. No, he's not in the chat room. Well, I don't he, think. He's, he's watching, is he? Yeah, he's, he's hello, actually mate. watching. Hello, Minnie. But, uh, we know Minnie very well, don't we? I know. He did your wedding. He's lovely. He is lovely, man. He is 
literally, and I'm not exaggerating. Uh, and he's he, a daddy. He is. He is a daddy. He, yeah. Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? Mini. Mini. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is. Uh, he is the best DJ in the world. He is. Yeah. yeah he is absolutely. undoubtably the best DJ in yeah, the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. I'm glad he's watching the show. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but he, he's struggling to sleep. So the, this, oh, okay. this is, this is okay, acting mini. as a way of, uh, you know, <laughs> with this trouble with the little and you know you, you oh. need to be able to sleep whenever, don't you? Anyway, uh, enough on. of that. Moving on to. Uh, I picked this next story especially for you, Did not you? because it's a low cost Did carrier you? again. Oh right, okay. But because it involves because that's all I've read. So I know. Far, sorry, <laughs> my bag. Anyway, uh, yes. So this is on the Breaking Travel News website, and the headline is: EasyJet launches new mobile host smartphone app. Very exciting, very exciting. EasyJet is helping to make travel easier for millions of its passengers thanks to real-time personalized notifications which, through its mobile app, directly inform the passenger when they need to go to the gate or which baggage reclaim belt to head for. Now, that's useful. Because you never really know, mm, do you? When you first, uh, anyway, in the past year alone, passengers who have signed up to receive more than 4.5 million real-time notifications to help them travel through 14 European uh, airports, including Amsterdam, Geneva, Milan, uh, Lynette and Berlin, uh, the passengers uh, travelling to and from London Gatwick, EasyJet's biggest base, are also provided with maps and directions to the departures area, to the bag drop-off and gate. Around 80% of EasyJet's passengers are currently able to use the mobile host feature. EasyJet app, the EasyJet app is available for download for free on iPhone and Android, and in order to receive the notifications, all passengers have to do is check in to their flights using the app. James Minnett, he who is the head uh, Head of Digital uh, commented, uh, we're pleased that our mobile host function is making our passengers' journeys even easier. And we're receiving great feedback from those who are telling us that the timely and relevant messages make it easier to get through the airport. EasyJet is delighted to work in collaboration with 14 of some of the most innovative airports across Europe who, like EasyJet, are embracing technology to help their passengers experience easier and more seamless. EasyJet is leading the way in its digital offering with mobile with mobile hosts just being one example of how this award-winning mobile app is making travel easier for its passengers as well as being able to check in for flights, download uh, mobile boarding passes and receive real-time information on flight status. Passengers can also scan in their passport details using their mobile phone camera, making it quicker and easier to check in. In November last year, the airline also announced that it was the first airline in the whole world to collaborate with Flight Radar 24 to integrate live aircraft tracking to its iPhone mobile app, meaning passengers can view the exact whereabouts of the aircraft or they are due to fly in on in real time up to three hours before their flight. The same feature launches on Android later on this month. Very exciting. I like that. All, yeah. the, all these new apps coming yeah. up for all the airlines and stuff, yeah. they'll get to the stage where every single airline will have its own app. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Well, I think most good. of them do. I mean, really even Ryanair's... Uh, you know they've got their own app, haven't they? Okay, it hasn't got this particular function. Yeah. Be into, from a from a geek's point of view, it would be absolutely fascinating to find out the infrastructure that's required in the airport in order to do what they're wanting to do. I, mm. It's just it's just it's just amazing. Yeah, they I mean, they generally tend to know in advance mm. a fairly good time at, yeah. at, to what gate and stuff. Yeah. And also what um, baggage mm. claim yeah, belt that you're going to be on yeah. to have the baggage and stuff through. So I mean that's Indeed. good. Indeed, I like yeah. that. So moving on then to our next story then. Uh, yep. This one's on the Breaking Travel News site. Mm -hmm. And the headline, uh, British Airways launches longest long-haul flight to Santiago, Chile. Until someone else launches another one. 
But <laughs> the story goes... Sorry, am I uh, being cynical again? No, not at all. <laughs> British Airways is launching the only direct flight between London and Santiago, Chile, from January Santiago. 3rd. Santiago, that sounds like a lovely place to go. I know, it? I know. <laughs> Miami Rick knows that place like Does the he? back of his hand. Cool, lovely. Must yeah. remember to ask him about that when, when we finally when get him we finally get him on the show, yeah. yeah. <laughs> January the 3rd, uh, 2017, it's going to kick off. Wow. Uh, Santiago will become the airline's lengthiest long-haul route, mm. uh, taking 14 hours... Yeah. And 40 minutes, uh, nearly an hour more than the current longest flight of 13 hours, 50 minutes uh, for, uh, to Buenos, Buenos Aires. Uh, the four-day-a-week uh, four flight will uh, be served from the airline's newest aircraft, the four-cabin Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner, uh, complete with a, a new first cabin. Uh, Santiago will be the latest destination in Latin America to join British Airways' route network. The airline recently launched new services to San Jose in Costa Rica and Lima in Peru. I'd Lima. love to go there. Uh, in addition, uh, it also operates a flight to Rio and San Paulo in Brazil and Buenos Aires in Argentina. Alex Cruz, chairman of British Airways, said, In recent years, we've been increasing our services to South and Central America, reflecting the area's continued growth in both business and tourism. Mm. This year, we've already launched flights to Costa Rica and Peru, and the addition of, addition of Santiago mm. will secure another important link between the UK and the region. The Chilean economy has been steadily growing with increasing trade links to Europe, so this is a new direct route that will respond to the need for travel between the two capital cities to do business face-to-face. Equally, Chile is uh, of enormous appeal to leisure travel, uh, travellers, especially those looking for adventure, exploration and experiences. Thanks for its outstanding and diverse natural beauty. That's true. Of that. I love the videos and stuff on mm. the uh, YouTube of that, of uh, Chile. Indeed. indeed. Uh, British, uh, British uh, Airways. Oh, sorry. I should just Carry say, uh, Micah has just pointed out, it's the longest for BA. It isn't necessarily the yeah, longest for world. BA. Yeah. 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 So that was me confusing issues. I know. Yeah, sorry. British <laughs> Airways uh, is uh, also taking delivery of 21 uh, 787-9 Dreamliners, five of which arrived in 2015 and 11 which are going to arrive this year. Mm. The final five will be delivered during 2018. Mm. So what do you reckon then, Matt? If we go to uh, if we go to Chile, do you fancy a fourteen-hour and forty-minute flight? I know you're not a great fan of flying. Which version do you want, the short version or the long version? Okay, let's just say, for instance, that we have a million Patreon donators, and we 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 get to go first class for fourteen hours. Right. And 40 if, we, if, we, if we get to go first class for fourteen hours, I'm willing to suffer it. If it's in economy class, no. <laughs> Okay, actually, I spoke. I, you know, I spoke to uh, Neville uh, Neville Bounds, who's obviously uh, we had on the show a few weeks back. Neville, yes, one of our the legend, one of our mega the legend that is Nev. Yeah, yeah, the legend that is Nev, and uh, he actually said that BA is. Yeah. He said BA is quite nice. Oh, I don't doubt that for a minute. Yeah, he I said it's very nice. I like, I like BA. I just wish it was. I just wish it was the same price as Ryanair. <laughs> Micah, main man Micah has yes. put in the chat room. Let's go to Chile and eat chili on the way. Right, sounds great. <laughs> uh, Neville's ne Nev just said I was picking up my car from London Heathrow today, and the seven eight seven nine took off in front of me. I was up close to it, and it was very, very quiet indeed. Oh, wow. I, I, haven't, I haven't done those videos, have I, from when I was at City Airport? No, we anyway, can get them done by, next yes, time. Yes, absolutely. Yes. The next story. Yes, sorry, that, this would be for me, wouldn't it? Is yes. on. Yes, absolutely. The uh, Mi Minnie is uh, denying that he's the best DJ in the world, by the way. Okay, well, yes. he is. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, Breaking Travel News is the website. The headline is Dubai welcomes world's largest and most powerful aircraft. Is this this weird thing that opens up? And yeah, uh, it's uh, it's the biggest uh, transport yeah, aircraft. Yeah, it is. This is the, the Antonov, isn't it? An two two five. Yes. Uh, Dubai World Central, that central that is Dubai's second airport and the 20th busiest airport in the world for international air freight, has welcomed the world's largest and most powerful aircraft, the Antonov 225. The aircraft, named Miria, which means dream in Ukrainian, oh, isn't that nice, uh, made stops in Australia, Turkey and Malaysia before touching down in Dubai. The aircraft departed Dubai this morning for Leonardo da Vinci uh, airport in Italy. Uh, take a look at, below at the images of it landing. So we'll just bring some of those up. We'll put some of those pictures on the screen. So those of you in the YouTube chat room will be able to yes, see. Absolutely. These, these uh, pictures are yep. really good, stunning of this aircraft. Yeah. If you, if you are listening to the audio version of this, obviously take yourself to uh, breakingtravelnews.com and search for Antonov 225 and uh, you'll be able to see it. But it's a stunning beast, isn't it? I'll leave Carlos to scroll through those. Look at the tile. It just, I, I'm ne- it's the, so it's the cool. billions of wheels. The billions of <laughs> billions wheels. Billions of yeah. wheels. Maybe that's a slight exaggeration, <laughs> but there's an awful lot of wheels on the bottom there. There we go. That's such a beast. It, it, the science involved in how that gets off the ground. I know it's got six big jet engines, and you normally only see four on the biggest ones. But even I so, I mean, it's just—it's amazing. How, it? how do you get that off the ground? I mean, it's just all right. Stop scrolling; you're making people feel sick. There you uh, go. <laughs> so no, fantastic. And also, uh, I mean, not forgetting. I, lo- as well. I love that picture. I love that picture. That the, the head-on-nose image is just it. It, uh, it went to obviously went to Australia as well. Like you did said. it? Yeah, yeah, it landed in Australia. Absolutely. Um, Ray Davis sent us. Uh, uh, oh, he did, didn't he? Yes. That. On Facebook event mm. uh, in, in Australia, which is quite yeah, cool. just a stunning thing, isn't it? It's a serious, yes, stunning. quite right, uh, Mr. Warner. It's a seriously big aircraft. It is. It's a serious, seriously big. Kit. big Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, Dubai has definitely got the infrastructure set in place to handle an aircraft that big. I mean, you know, of Dubai, the the, the airport there is mm. huge. So yeah, um, that's absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Indeed. The next story uh, is uh, a kind of sad story. It's one that, that I picked up on a, a lot earlier this week. Uh, we posted it on our Facebook page, and it's on the flyingmag.com uh, website. And, um, and the, well, it was sad news, but you know, it, there was a, mm. a good outcome for the pilot. But uh, yeah. it's regarding Tracy Curtis Taylor. Mm. Now, you interviewed her at Riyadh, didn't you? Yeah, for those of you yeah. guys who followed us at Riyadh last year, the Royal International Air Tattoo, remember that I interviewed uh, Tracy Curtis Taylor. Uh, in front of her Boeing Stearman biplane uh, at the show. Uh, thanks again to Dan Hannington, because he's the yeah, one who put us on. entirely his fault. Yes. And, uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, um, the uh, transcontinental open biplane flight uh, was sadly cut short by a crash. Um, she yeah. had a passenger on board the aircraft at the time who also got out uh, on her. Uh, in the spirit of Artemis, her aircraft, it crash-landed in Arizona, and uh, the biplane piloted by uh, uh, Tracy Curtis Taylor, uh, who was using the airplane to retrace uh, the old airmail routes across the United States. And it crashed in Arizona. And uh, fortunately, uh, as we said, Tracy Curtis Taylor and her passenger, Ewald Gritch, both walked away from the accident. But mm. the airplane is in need, uh, need of a major refit. Uh, we'll put the pictures on in a second of that. Uh, in her own newsletter, uh, Curtis Taylor reported that the airplane suffered a partial loss of power uh, shortly after lifting off from the runway at Winslow Lindbergh Regional Airport in Winslow, Arizona, which sits at nearly 5,000 feet. 
Uh, Curtis Taylor had no choice but to land on the desert floor about 20 feet after touching down. The right wheel struck a dense sage root mound, uh, which tore off the right landing gear and threw the plane onto its left wing. It then cartwheel tailed over the nose in a cloud of sand and dust. And uh, this is what she uh, wrote in her uh, piece on her page. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, it's sad news, really is sad news, because she was doing so well, yeah. so incredibly well. bring that picture up? Uh, we'll put the picture on the screen there for those of you yeah. in, in the YouTube chat room of, uh, of the aircraft. There's Artemis there, Spirit. Um, there we go. Yeah. Spirit of Artemis there on the page. Very, Very sad. And we actually saw this at React because it was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got my photogra photograph yeah. taken in front of that aircraft. Mm. Uh, with her, and she was such a nice person to yeah, interview she was, as well. Yeah. She was really, really generous really, with her yeah, time, wasn't she? Really, really generous with her time. Yeah. And uh, we, we just all, we wish, I did send her a message. Um, she, she, from it was us. great because she, she wasn't doing that many interviews, so I mean, it was a real honour to, to yeah. get a chat yeah, with Yeah, we her. sent her a message uh, sending us all, you know, sending her all our, all our wishes. Mm. Um, but she did have offers from a lot of companies, or a lot of people to, to um, uh, borrow another Boeing Stearman to, uh, to carry, to carry on. on. Oh, but wow. She did say that she had such strong ties to the spirit of Artemis right. that she would uh, rather, rather have this have aircraft shipped back to where it was uh, restored right. have it and restored have, it, have it uh, rebuilt again so she wow. can start, uh, okay. start from there. Wow. I, 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 don't know. I, don't, I don't even know where you begin to do, do it's, a project it's, like it's that. A sad, but at least, I mean, at least they're safe. That's yeah, the absolutely, and that's the most yeah. important thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so lots of love for, for, for Tracy in the chat room as well. I yes. think it's worth noting. Anyway, on to the next story, uh, and this is uh, on Flight Global, and the headline is Mobile Battery Behind the A380 Cabin Smoke Event. Oh, here we go, batteries. Uh, actually, you say that. The, the sort of batteries that they use in these, uh, in a, one of my um, uh, computer customers um, in their, well, what they call a UPS, an uninterruptible power supply, um, they had their batteries both go fut in a, in a spectacular really? way in their UPS. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Australian Transport Safety Bureau, uh, that's the ATSB, is investigating a recent cabin smoke event on a Qantas-operated Airbus A380, which was traced to a mobile phone, oh, a mobile phone battery. Oh. I'll take back everything I said just a minute ago. I'm, uh, just, I'm just burning my <laughs> mobile phone now. Splendid. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> the A380 registration, Victor Hotel, Oscar, Quebec, Delta, was operating a flight from Sydney to Dallas-Fort Worth on the 16th of May when the incident occurred occurred. The Bureau says on its investigations and reports webpage uh, that the jet was around 3,000 kilometres west-southwest of Dallas when smoke was detected in the, cab in the aircraft's cabin. It was subsequently determined that a mobile phone battery was the source of the smoke. It adds the occurrence has been clarified as has been classified as a serious incident by the ATSB, which is gathering more information from the operator and plans to finish its investigation in September. So we've got to wait quite a long time before we get the official uh, word on that. But I'm not entirely sure what what they do about that because they're not surely they're not going to ban people from taking Take mobile, mobile phones, phones. on the plane. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. And so in a lot of ways, it's actually better that it was with the customer rather than in the hold underneath, because if it had done that in the hold underneath and the battery had exploded, it could have caught fire and everything before mm. before mm. it had been found. So Which, I don't, of course, I don't is what happened to the Dreamliner when that first uh, yeah, came about absolutely. with the new batteries and stuff on. Yeah. It had those issues with the absolutely. battery fires. Because I think, I, I think uh, somebody's going to correct me in the chat room, I'm quite sure, but I'm pretty sure they're all what they call nickel hydride batteries, aren't they? Uh, um, short back has put in the chat room, was it a Boeing engineer? 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was. It could know. have been. It was an Airbus 380. So perhaps oh, yeah, it was yeah, a Boeing yeah. engineer just trying to, you know, <gasps> even the oh, even I the see. field, right. even yes. the field no, no, of it. No, I, don't, I don't think so. No, probably not. I think. <laughs> I think we're being silly. Oh, splendid! You've got a Ryanair story. For oh James. no! <laughs> oh, how did Excellent. that happen? It's because you weren't watching. Oh damn! It's amazing what you can do with a mouse. <laughs> oh. so would you, would you like me to take it anyway? no 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 i'll do it just just oh it, i'll take this next story excellent beans okay. as it's a ryanair story okay or you can just do the other one and i'll do no that. that's <laughs> fine i'll do this story look i've had three ryanair stories already I know. okay he's done really well today well i'll take this one it's uh, on the bbc news website ryanair flight to manchester evacuated in norway over bomb scare and this one happened earlier on this week. And the Ryanair flight from Norway to Manchester... Sorry, they're lith- lithium-ion lithium batteries. Ion batteries. Yeah, I was not, not, not nickel hydride. I was incorrect. Yeah. The uh, Ryanair... F- I'm glad we've got a chat room. Yeah, I know. The Ryanair <laughs> flight from Norway to Manchester uh, was evacuated before takeoff over a bomb scare, <laughs> yeah. which police say was due to a misunderstanding. Hey. Uh, the flight was uh, about to leave from Rig Airport near the Norwegian capital. I hope yeah. I pronounced that correctly. And uh, when it was evacuated, uh, two men were detained by police after their behaviour aroused suspicion, but were later released. Uh, The situation was back to normal, police said in a tweet, and Ryanair said the passengers would also depart on the aircraft. No suspicious devices were found on the plane. News reports uh, quoting a police official said one of the arrested men was British and the other one was from, uh, from Sri Lanka. Uh, the report said that the, man had been, the men had been heard arguing loudly and the word bomb yes. was overheard on the flight, yes. which had been due to leave at 18.55 local time. The evacuation in Norway came hours after Manchester's Old Trafford football stadium was cleared after a suspicious item was found. It was later confirmed by police that the item had been accidentally left, we've, uh, we heard about that story in a football uh, ground, yes. uh, by a private company after a training exercise. But yes. anyway, going back to the story, um, <laughs> I, you know, if you're going to board a flight, yeah. don't, just, men- don't, don't mention the don't word use bomb. A, don't. I mean, honestly, even in jest, just, you know, just keep oh, it to yourself, dear. don't say a word. Uh, it's actually, actually uh, Neville's just put uh, a couple of nice things in, in, in the... What's uh, Neville put? Uh, well, no, Masha said to spread the Ryanair love around. Yeah, we do, we great. do. Yeah, absolutely. No, we don't. Okay. You've only, uh, it's only because you've ended up with that story accidentally. <laughs> uh, and Neville's quite rightly pointed. I saw quite a few Ryanair aircraft at Dublin today because obviously he's been away, I think, he at has, a wedding, yeah. if memory serves. Yeah, he has. Uh, so sad to see all those people boarding them. And, and <laughs> it's the it's the masked, masked smiley. Masked. You know, all the germs <laughs> and things. So that's good. Yeah. Oh. Oh dear. Yes. We're not all millionaires, <laughs> Neville. No, no, indeed. Indeed. Anyway, on to the next story. And it, uh, yeah, where's this one? This is on the CH Aviation website, and the headline is Alitalia. Alitalia. Alitalia? Yes. Yeah, I'll take that. Alitalia to add a maiden Boeing 777-300ER next year. This is very exciting. Uh, Alitalia. Put my teeth in, try that again. Alitalia. Uh, Alitalia uh, will add a maiden Boeing 777-300ER to its fleet next year, airline vice chairman and Etihad Airways Group CEO James Hogan has said. Outlining the... 
uh, progress made in the 18 months since the, uh, the Emirates bought a 49% stake in the Italian carrier. Hogan said that the focus for next year was no longer just to break even, but to turn an actual profit. That's very exciting. Uh, what we've said, we've delivered. The plan for 2017 was to break even. The only adjustment to the plan is in that we are, in fact, that we want to make money in 2017. Uh, he was quoted by the national newspaper. Alitalia has set itself the target of increasing its load factors to more than 80% from the current 76, which Hogan described as a fundamental threshold for any pan-European and global airline for its domestic market. To that end, the carrier has been analysing several potential new routes and, in order to match capacity to its expansion plans, we will add a new 777-200ER, which is an ex-Vietnam Airways air airframe MSN 28688 to the fleet this year with the Boeing 777-300ER and an extra A330-200 to follow next year. Focus has been placed on markets in North and South America and the Far East, Hogan said. We have a view that Alitalia can go to, to 40 to 40 long-haul aircraft, he's, he added. We have access to the aircraft through the partners, whether it's a seven eight, whether it's seven eight sevens, A three fifties, or recycled A three thirties. We already we've already placed some aircraft uh, in Alitalia, but we want to ensure we can feed the Italian hubs to improve the load factor and the quality. Alitalia currently operates fourteen A three thirty two hundreds, of which two are the dry leased from Etihad, and ten triple seven two hundred ERs. Yeah, Air, Alitalia have uh, mostly Airbus fleet, Matt. Right. Uh, apart from the Boeing Seems 777s. Seems a bit strange. Oh, any specific reason why they're going aware? Why well, the, the 777 is obviously the, the wide-bodied aircraft. Mm. I mean, the Airbus fleet, they've got, they've got some 330s, uh, which are also wide-bodied aircraft. But they do have uh, quite a large number of the 320s, mm. uh, 319s as well. And they've also got 12 Airbus A321s in their fleet. Um, they've got some orders in as well with Airbus for some more A A320s, but um, yeah. they're just bulking their uh, their wide-bodied fleet. I think with yeah. uh, with slightly newer aircraft Absolutely. than the 200ERs that they've uh, they've currently got. So, mm. but that's good. That's got more good news for uh, Air uh, for Boeing as usual. Yeah. Um, with as those you do. Yeah. with <laughs> a another another load of orders for them. Indeed. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, the final story. Uh, the final story is uh, it's kind of not a story it's uh, it's not, it's a it's a top 10 ish it, right um, define ish to, <laughs> well it's uh, one that i found earlier this week it's quite interesting as well it's uh, it's 10 airports you need to visit right okay and uh, that and it kind of goes the world is full of such a variety of airports and each has its own appeal to spotters okay uh, and the airspotting.com has put together a list of the, the uh, 10 airports that every spotter should try to visit mm. at some time to help enrich their aviation interests and make the most of their hobby. So if anyone in the chat room is uh, a keen spotter of, uh, of, of uh, aircraft, I know that uh, I, I have been in the past quite... Uh, well, I am still no, there. No, really? Yeah, oh yes, I'm, I was quite a, quite a, a, a big Gemma's, Gemma's busy sort of nodding, oh, nodding yeah, shaking her head yeah. in despair. Oh, yeah. Yes. We only yeah. have to discuss your last holiday in Malta, really. Yeah, my, my wife is here. Mm -hmm. She's uh, behind yes, us. She's, yes. she's just come in from work. Indeed, so. yes. Say hello to all the listeners, dear. Hello, listeners. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, we've got 10 airports then that uh, if you're a spotter of aircraft, right. you, yes. you need okay. to visit. So We Matt, have been to airports, but I um, <laughs> I'm not sure I know any of these. Anyway, so uh, number 10. It's Istanbul's Ataturk Airport. I'm sure there's a song about in, in Istanbul. It's an up-and-coming <laughs> airport uh, <laughs> with, it, with uh, massive growth of uh, Turkish airlines. And um, it's got uh, lots of uh, a mix of European long haul flights <laughs> and uh, a vast majority made up by Turkish Airlines and Atlas Jet. Uh, there's a good draw for enthusiasts. There's also a mix of cargo carriers, and there's also lots of numbers of places to spot from around the perimeter fences, uh, including a shopping mall, which is great for viewing and photography uh, of the, uh, from the balcony there as well. And there's also, according to this, a new, uh, also a nice uh, aviation. A Getting the same thing as you. Aviation <laughs> Museum on the southern Take more water with boundary. you, it'll be fine. Mm. Yes. Uh, I, I should just say in the chat room here that they're actually saying that maybe Gemma should come and wave to us on the camera. Then it would have the whole reason for having cameras in the studio will once again be valid. Really? <laughs> <laughs> she's got a horrible, she's got a horrible shade of, uh, yes. <laughs> if you looked at camera up there, okay, yeah. which yes, is the wide okay, shot camera. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Hang on. But you're, you're slightly off shot, yeah. Dave. You need to come in this <laughs> way. <laughs> I won't ask how you're controlling okay. it. There we go. There's, there's my, there's my long-suffering wife. Very much long-suffering. You're famous wife. now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Famous. Yes, yes. With at least yeah. 17 people, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, in at number nine. <laughs> at number nine, it's uh, Bogota. Airport. Oh, the chat room's gone crazy. The chat room's gone mad. <laughs> oh dear. Everyone in the chat room's saying hi, Gemma. <laughs> uh, Mike has put that you have a lovely elbow, dear. Yes, yes. No, that was earlier. Stop it. All right, okay. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Bogotá. Yeah. Bogotá, yeah. yes. Uh, probably the most interesting <laughs> of South America's main airports. Yes. Bogotá in uh, Colombia is yes. a hub for Avianca, LAN, Colombia, Copa Airlines, and Viva Colombia. Uh, it's got loads of jets flying in there, including 727s, uh, which are really old now, F-28s, DC-3s as well, flying there from the Colombian government. Uh, there's also a collection of preserved aircraft on the military side of the airport. Spotting is also possible inside the terminal or from the end of the runway if you have a car. <laughs> oh, Carlos, how did you fool such a lovely woman to marry you? Uh, uh, to be uh, perfectly honest with you, Micah, none of us are really sure quite how that happened. Indeed. <sighs> yes. <laughs> anyway, in at... Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she like, yeah, it's very, very fond of our wonderful listeners. Uh, but, uh, oh, Ellie, uh, Tony's in love as well. That's great. Uh, so, number eight. <laughs> number eight. At number eight, he can have her. At no, number eight. eight it's, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> at number eight, it's Phoenix Deer. How to bring this show into chaos. Uh, it, yes, indeed, absolutely. Phoenix Deer Valley, the city of Phoenix. Unlike other airports on this list, Deer Valley isn't uh, on the route map. Lots of scheduled airlines or in a place to see the latest streamliners or A380s. Yeah, it is one of the busiest airports in the world. Is it? Uh, in particular, it's actually the busiest airport in the world for bizjet movements, according uh, to right. recent statistics. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for something different yeah. or like to log and photograph citations, global expresses, and Gulf streams, mm. this is the place to head. The Arizona airport has two runways and is in the northeast of the city. You can watch movements from the uh, official observation deck on top of the terminal building, which even pipes in ATC broadcasts. Really? Wow, that's, that's cool. quite cool. Oh, You'd like, you, you just want to go move oh, yeah, in there, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Never mind a hotel room. You're just going to just go sit at the airport. Anyway, at number seven, Funchal Airport at number seven. Uh, Incoming divorce, by the way. Incoming divorce. Incoming divorce. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you, Mr. Warner. Yeah. Uh, when space is limited, sometimes the only option is to build your own airport runway on stilts. Ah, oh, this is awesome, Matt. We'll what? put the picture on a minute. An airport is stilts. This is exactly what happened at the Funchal Airport on the Portuguese island of Madeira in the Atlantic Ocean. When demand for leisure airlines grew, the runway was extended out from the cliffside that it occupies to allow larger aircraft to be handled. The position of this airport also means uh, aircraft take an interesting approach path before landing, often in crosswind conditions. Spotters can position themselves on the hillside above the runway and for some excellent photographs and videos as well. Here we go for the picture so, yeah, on the screen. To, I, I'm not, just you can how? just how in the, you can just on the left see Matt. You can see the stilt going yeah. down from the corner just of about, the yeah. runway there. That's there we just go. Insane. How cool is that? That is just insane. I don't even know how that's possible. Oh dear. Anyway, number six. At number seven, uh, six, sorry. At number six, <laughs> it's the home of Airbus in Toulouse, Blenac. Uh, Europe's busiest aircraft manufacturing airport. Uh, most Airbuses, A319, 320s, 330s, 340s, and 380s aircraft are constructed here, as well as the ATR turboprops. Uh, regular airline traffic isn't much to write at home about, but who cares when you've got all those airliners destined for all corners <laughs> of the globe undergoing completion and flight testing in the Apparently southern French so, sun. Yes. There's various places to watch aircraft around the airport perimeter and an official viewing deck at the terminal. Plus, you can arrange tours of the Airbus plant. Mm. Oh, hello. Yes, uh, Martin Holmes said that you actually should, you should check out some of the videos of the planes landing there. I'm talking to the talking oh, about the Madeira the one. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I bet that's amazing. Anyway, number five. At number five, it's Frankfurt, Maine, Germany's mm. busiest airport and one of the main gateways to Europe. Like LAX, it's in a mix of mouth-watering to the enthusiast, comprising all main European carriers, low-cost carriers. Leisure carries, cargo, regional and long-haul traffic. Spotting is not as good here as in the days gone by, but the airport still provides two official locations at Terminal 2 and alongside Runway 18. And there are also some good other spots to watch aircraft as well. Number four. Number four, it's LA, Los Angeles International, LAX. With California's amazing climate and endless sunshine, an incredible mix of aircraft, LAX should be on anyone's list of must-visit airports. Right. Los Angeles has four runways and nine passenger terminals. Cool. Each major US airline has a decent presence here as well as large airliners from across the globe and leisure airlines from Mexico, Hawaii and the Caribbean. On the safe side of the airport, cargo ca uh, airliners and biz jets also compete the lineup. Head to the Imperial Hill or the uh, In-N-Out Burger restaurant for the best views and uh, yeah, well there, there we go. Mm. LAX. Mm. Uh, number three. Number three. It's uh, oh, one in the UK. Really? Yay! Goodness me. There's it's London thought. City Airport. The mm. British capital is served by many airports, but London City is by far one of the world's more unusual. Built on a former dock at the heart of the city of London, mm. it makes for a challenging and restricted environment to operate large airliners. Yet every day, aircraft arrive from across Europe and even New York. Yeah. Its among, uh, location is among the skyscrapers of London's financial district, which means the short runway requires a steep approach angle and only certified aircraft are permitted to operate there. It's easy to watch the aircraft come and go from here and the docks opposite the runway or under the approach paths at either end. <laughs> Just saying in the chat room, going back to LAX, it's uh, that uh, Mike, Mike was saying that the best place uh, for plane spotting at LAX is at the In Out Burger. Apparently, Cranky Flyer has a meet up there once a year. Mm. <laughs> I'm not hungry. I had a big tea. 
Yeah, we did. Yes, we did, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, number oh, can, oh, I love this. Number two. Did, th- this makes me laugh, right? <laughs> because it's Pyongyang, but it sounds like I don't, I don't know. It sounds like the government have got together and generated this really large catapult. Is it Pyongyang? Really? No. Okay. Right. Okay. Just, just so number two, then, it is Pyongyang <laughs> Airport. Not the busiest, and uh, some might be a little sensitive about the way North Korea is run, but purely from an enthusiast point of view, it's a very interesting place to go. Air Coro, the national carrier, still flies the classic Russian types, such as the Tu-134. I've been on one of those. Wee. Scary. The Tu-154, the Tu-204, Aleutian 62, and Aleutian 18. Pyongyang Airport recently opened its brand new Pyongyang. terminal, which looks much more <laughs> akin to those found in the West. But uh, to be able to experience the aircraft here, you'll need to take part in an organised tour, such as those on offer with U Travel Services. Ooh, and finally, number one. Well, it had to be, didn't it? You know, you know we've had the Airbus. It's got to be the Boeing, isn't it? Of course. <laughs> and this is the Boeing's Everett Payne Field, uh, home of Boeing's wide-body production lines of uh, and the world's largest building, uh, currently responsible for producing 747s, 777s, 787s, and the occasional 767. Mm. Once aircraft have been completed, they are taken uh, to the paint assembly building and then placed mm. outside whilst final preparations are made. Aircraft undertake testing regularly once completed, so you'll always see something of interest during the airport's uh, use using the single runway. Aircraft that have been completed are sometimes placed in storage at the airport, seen recently with some of the uh, early 787s, uh, 747-8s, and you may also uh, be lucky to see the first Boeing 727 aircraft, which is preserved at the airport, Ooh. along with a de Havilland Comet 4 and some other historic aircraft. Head to the Future of Flight Center for a grandstand view over the airport. There we go. Yeah, actually, Michael asked me a question earlier in the chat room, which I feel I should answer you, saying, uh, although I'm not very keen on flying, am I, am I getting into like the plane spotting sort of type thing? I'm not, I'm not getting that into it, but I have to confess, when the last couple of air shows that we went to, and I basically just stole your... Um, your um, Camera? No, the radio. Radio? Listening, yeah. listening to the air. air I, I, I'm fascinated by air traffic control. I love it. He does like it. Does I do. So, it. I mean, I usually sit there listening to the... To the what, what is that device called? A scanner. The scanner, yeah. Mm. I, sit, I sit there listening yeah. to the scanner. I love it. But uh, anyway, that is where we bring the commercial section to we a do. close. We're just going to have a very quick break. Um, we'll be right back after these short messages. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk on twitter via at plain talking uk or get in touch via email on podcast at plain talking uk.com thanks for listening
And we're back. We are indeed. We are indeed. Yes, we are. So uh, we have got a segment from Micah. We have. Uh, we've got the military news coming up after that, and we've also got uh, a small piece of audio feedback from someone who's in the chat room. Yes, now. absolutely. But uh, it is time, I'm delighted to say, to welcome Very delighted the to main man, the main man, Micah. And it has to be said, um, that, well, it's very timely, essentially, and we, we, we touched on it earlier. It's the problem of media reporting once again. Hello, Carlos and Matt and Plain Talking UK listeners. This is Micah, your main man, and I'm furious. I'm upset. I'm disgusted. This whole Egypt Air 804 thing has got me going crazy, and it's showing. It's showing to other people, people who would have no idea. Today, I was in a coffee shop, and the TV was on, and I'm drinking a cup of coffee, and I'm watching a CNN news coverage, and I found myself yelling at the television. People were looking at me. I had to explain that I was a little upset with the coverage. Now normally, you guys, I wouldn't be sending in feedback two weeks in a row. Certainly not feedback that contains a story that's going to be this long. And I certainly understand if you don't have the time to use it tomorrow because I'm recording this on Thursday evening. But I thought I would retell or reread sort of a piece that I did for the Airplane Geeks about a year ago when German wings crashed. And any time I say German wings, which I think is just once, all you need to do is substitute Egypt Air 804, because this just truly has me upset. So again, this story appeared on the Airplane Geeks, I believe in April of 2015, and it's called News Reporting and the Sport of Speculation, or The Surge in Sensational Surrealism. Eighth grade geography class was a revelation to me a class that has influenced me to this day, but maybe not in the way that one would think a geography class might. Sure, I loved learning how to read maps and what legends meant, the scale, how to measure and judge distances. I loved learning about rivers, mountain ranges, plateaus, climates, all things that I still use on an almost daily basis. But what had the most impact on me was learning about the news. News, you might say, in a geography class? Well, yes, absolutely. Now, I still can't say exactly why it fit into 8th grade geography, but my teacher, Mr. Bowers, who was best known at my school as the head football coach, required that each and every one of his students subscribe to the New York Times. It was delivered to his classroom daily and read with him every morning in class. Now, some of us kids and even some of Mr. Bowers' fellow teachers thought he was just lazy that he was trying to get himself through the day so he could get to football practice in the afternoon. But I never really thought of him that way. I loved learning how to read the paper from him in class. You see, Mr. Bowers taught me about the news and how to understand it. He explained what it meant for a story to be above the fold in a newspaper and what the size of the headlines meant, how stories are placed throughout the paper. I learned how to scan down the middle of a newspaper column and get the gist of an article. I learned what to look for in the first few paragraphs and in the summary. This wasn't taught from the perspective of journalism so much as it was taught to teach us how to read a newspaper, how to question reporting, how to understand what sources meant, and how to scrutinize what was written. Now remember, this was many years ago, in the days when the word vet meant someone who had been in the armed services or a veterinarian. The draft in the USA here was still in place. 
the voting age was 21 years old and the drinking age was 18 years old not 21 years old as it is all over the USA now Watergate was just a building in Washington DC but but I digress let me just say that I learned to love to read newspapers my mother and father were both avid readers and Sunday newspaper junkies they encouraged me I look forward to Sunday afternoons together with my mom and dad I would read the Sunday New York Times and the New York Daily News the Sunday Bergen record I would see what stories each paper was covering and how the editorial perspectives might differ it was wonderful I wanted to read every paper I could I would save my allowance money and go down to the candy store almost every day after school and pick up a different newspaper. That's when I found the National Enquirer. Now something was different about this paper. It wasn't like the others I'd read. The National Enquirer was amazing, like reading books of science fiction or horror. It said that there were UFOs flying all around us, that vampires really existed, and that people have been brought back from the dead. This was fantastic. I bought it every week and I read it cover to cover. Now one afternoon, I had the National Enquirer spread out on the dining room table as usual when my father happened to come home early from work and join me. What are you reading, he asked. Not that he didn't already know. So I showed him. Oh, that's great, he said. I hope you're enjoying it. I told him how much I liked it and that I've been reading it every week for the last two months. I know, he said, and that's fine. But you know the difference between what you're reading here and the New York Times, don't you? I asked him what he meant, and he reminded me of the New York Times motto, All the news that's fit to print. Then he went on to say that the rest of it, the news that's not fit to print, can often be found in the National Enquirer. My father said that it was perfectly fine to read that other news, but to keep it in perspective. Now my dad his name was Lou. Now he was a psychologist by trade and, and frankly one of the most brilliant men I've ever known. He turned this day into a great lesson for me. He taught me the principle of Occam's razor. How when dealing with competing hypotheses that predict equally well why the one with the fewest assumptions is the most likely to be correct. In other words, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, well, it's probably a duck. It was from my dad that I first learned the phrase when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. My dad taught me about sensationalism and muckraking, how it's human nature to hunger for rumors, and how rumors come about when there's a desire for more information, but, but when there's no information to be had. Now sure, all these things may be cliches, but these cliches are important. In fact, these are cliches that our current news media often forgets, and that thing referred to as social media almost never bears in mind. And by the way, from my own perspective, the term social media is a misnomer because to me it's neither social nor is it media. Now some 50 years later, 50 years or more after my 8th grade class, I still love the news and I still read it, at least one newspaper every day. I love the radio too, something else I grew up with. When you combine the two, well news and radio I mean, well now you really have something. Growing up in the New York metropolitan area, I always had two all-news radio stations coming to me. They're still there. There's WCBS and WINS. Now they're both owned by the same corporation, but still two different stations covering stories with differing content. I still remember the WINS motto by heart. You give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. 
and they still do. It works great on radio, but not so well on TV. TV news isn't news. Well, not anymore anyway. It's become entertainment. I can tell you exactly when that changed. Well, within 24 hours of the change anyway. The date was April 14, 1970, about a day after the oxygen tank explosion on Apollo 13. What happened, you may ask? Well, all three U.S. TV networks were covering the potential disaster aboard Odyssey and Aquarius. After the first 24 hours, there was really very little to report. It was just a waiting game. With no new information, by definition, there's no news. The networks, not wanting to lose audience, were vamping. They were vamping until they were ready, until something came in. As I recall, the networks CBS and NBC were going over the science. But this was getting boring and very repetitive. ABC, however, the network always in last place here in the U.S., they decided to go a different route and started to create their own news. Rather than reporting the boring science as the two other networks continued to do, ABC decided to track down and interview the parents of astronaut Jack Swigert. They asked Mr. and Mrs. Swigert how they were feeling with their son hurtling around the moon in a dead space capsule and maybe dying in space. ABC opened up the seam of a television gold mine. Then it became man-on-the-street interviews. How is the world feeling? It was picked up by all three networks, and all of a sudden it wasn't news. It was features. It was a filler. It was entertaining fluff. Sure, it can be appealing, and even maybe fulfill some human instinct, but it's not news. Early on, CNN learned that news coverage doesn't transfer well to TV. In 1980, when CNN first broadcast, they ran half-hour news blocks, repeated and updated as a new information would become available to them. But it's not interesting watching a talking head read the news. CNN learned this quickly. Features and human interest stories started to fill the space. Then came the most damaging and maybe the most useless content, speculative news for the purpose of sensationalism. Now, some say that the primary reason why broadcast TV here in the U.S. and, well, and now print news, too, has changed to sensationalism is for advertising dollars. Sensationalism and speculation are entertaining. It increases viewership and readership. Thereby, it does increase advertising revenue. Personally, I have a different view on why news has become sensationalism, but perhaps it's a bit more jaded. You see, true journalism requires long, hard research and education. Sensationalism only requires speculation, and that holds true for both producer and consumer of both content types. It's easier to create and consume sensationalism than journalism. Journalism is hard work. Not that those that produce sensationalism don't work hard, but it's easier to speculate about stories than it is to find hard facts. Finding facts takes time, and human nature isn't very patient. You know, as an airplane geek, it pains me to keep up with the news of a plane crash. It offends me to hear speculation about a pilot committing suicide by airplane or maybe stealing a 777 full of passengers to secretly land it on an island a la MH70. I find it even more offensive to hear about missiles in the TWA-800 crash years after the scientific investigation is fully concluded. Whenever this type of news story breaks like it did yesterday, I think back on the conversation with my dad and I think about the principles of Occam's razor. I keep my ear tuned to the news, looking for horses, not thinking of zebras. More importantly, whenever any big story breaks, 
regardless of whether it's an airplane crash or a mass shooting or a building explosion or any other breathtaking spectacular story. I try to tune out the commercial spew of information until such time as there's real news from unbiased, vetted, and investigative sources. This is critical and something we should all really try to do. It's even more important that government officials, especially those holding elected office, pay attention to the facts only and not create policies prior to a complete scientific investigation. We don't need another TSA here in the USA. You know, TSA, the Three Stooges Administration, and the security theater that comes along with it. Let's keep the news filled with facts based on research and good reporting from multiple vetted sources. Let it be boring and allow it to take the time it needs. Let's leave sensationalism, muckraking, speculation, and rumors to the world of entertainment and fiction. So that's my rant, and thank you for letting me say it out again. And for Plain Talking UK, here in Portland, Maine, this is your main man, Micah. We are, after our break. Yes, thank you ever so much for that, Micah. Absolutely fantastic, I, I think as to, always. I think, to be fair, we did exactly what everybody else did, which is uh, make ourselves a nice cup of tea, sit, and back sit down, and, relax. and enjoy a fantastic yeah. story. It, it, well, no, seriously, Micah, I, I said to you in the email when you sent it to us, thank you very much. We are really appreciative. And, and again, I, I don't think this problem's going to go away, is it? We're just going to yeah. have more and more issues with regard to the way that the media is being reported, and it's just exhausting, frankly. Really? Um, and I know Nev is a, a massive... Uh, he's got a massive beef with most of them, isn't it? With the, with the way that media is often reported where you get the wrong photo with the wrong plane when they're talking about story and stuff like that. It's just, um, yeah, they, all, they, they, need to, they need to pull their finger out and get it a bit better as well. Re really, they need to let us do the news stories each week. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, I, they I, should I, let us do the news stories each week. Yeah, that would be Yeah, uh, I can't see that happening. But uh, anyway, thanks for playing. <laughs> but no, uh, thanks again for that, Micah. Absolutely, yeah. really, massively, massively appreciate Absolutely. you sending that in to us. And uh, as yes. the chat room said, quite rightly said, a few people in the chat room said, uh, let's hope that uh, that's not the last uh, bit we hear from no, Micah. No, indeed, let's hope not. Yeah, let's hope not. So uh, we have got uh, some military news to play you. We have. And then we've got uh, a short piece of feedback uh, from Stuart Barker, who's in the chat room as well. Yep. Um, we've also got uh, some info about someone else who's in the chat room as well coming up uh, in a bit. So, oh, yes, uh, yes, we have. But we better do some military news. We had, yes. So uh, if you're ready, Matt. I certainly am. Let's go. So the first news story then uh, is actually on the Sky News website for a change. And it's one that um, uh, I said, I think I sent to you, didn't I? It is, yes, absolutely. Uh, this week, yeah. uh, earlier in week. the week, wasn't it? About uh, three yeah. days ago, wasn't on it? On WhatsApp, yeah. yeah. And the uh, headline, RAF jets scrambled to intercept Russian planes. Mm. Oh, they're back mm. again. Just for a change. 
So the uh, second time in, a, in uh, just over a week that uh, combat planes have shadowed Russian aircraft approaching Baltic countries. Get out of uh, our airspace. Exactly. <laughs> the Royal Air Force uh, Typhoon fighter jets have intercepted five Russian aircraft uh, north of Estonia as part of the NATO protection mission. Mm. The British planes were initially shadowing the two Su-27 flanker fighters and an Aleutian 20 Coot A reconnaissance plane when two more Su-27s were detected, according to the Ministry of Defence. Huh. It was the second time that, uh, in a week that uh, the Royal Air Force typhoons had been scrambled to intercept Russian aircraft as part of the policing mission in the region. In the latest intercept, an MOD statement said the Russian planes were operating without transmitting a recognised identification code and were not communicating with regional air traffic control centres. Uh, Defence Secretary uh, Michael Fallon said it's for, for the second time in a week the Royal Air Force have been on hand to respond to Russian activity at a moment's notice. Mm. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we will continue to secure the Baltic skies on behalf of NATO and our allies. The lead typhoon pilot said that the Baltic Control and Reporting Centre had a radar contact on the unidentified aircraft and ordered them to scramble. As always, they were airborne within minutes and intercepted and identified the variety of Russian military aircraft. We remain on standby all day, every day, to respond to any requests of this nature, and this is what we do, he said. Four Royal Air Force jets were deployed last month to join the Baltic Air Policing Mission where NATO members help countries who are not able to police their own skies. They will stay there until the end of August this year. Now, Matt can put up a photograph there. We've got one there of uh, one of the Su-27 flanker fighters there. If you just, uh, For those of you in the YouTube chat room, you'll be able to see that on your screen there. Hopefully, there we go, mm. and uh, look at that. There we go, menacing. And we'll uh, we've got some more photos here. There's uh, one of the uh, typhoons uh, flying alongside the Su-27s. There, it. Uh, tell you what, Matt, for, to be a Royal Air Force pilot and to and to to look out of your mm. your uh, your window and see one of these uh, Su-27s there is uh, must be quite a, uh, a, a sort of quite nerve-wracking though, isn't um, it? There's the uh, Russian Coot A. Uh, so reconnaissance aircraft there. Right. Oh, right. So it, it does. It, it looks like a like a passenger plane, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like an old passenger plane. Hmm. Um, it's uh, it's a very small tail on that, actually, mm. very small tail. And one of the other on the Su twenty seven there. Mm. Of, uh, and it, if you look on the wing pods there, the wing mounts there, there are actually um, the missiles, missiles on, on there and well. everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. There's an underneath. Mm. There we go. A great shot there. Obviously, took from uh, one of it's, our. It's literally fully awesome loaded pilots. and ready to go, isn't it? Yeah, it this is. is this yeah. is distressing. I don't. I don't and know what the they're up there. I don't know what they're doing. This is. This is not good. And uh, Matty Fab has just put in the chat room. Actually, he's he's assuming that uh, QRA aircraft, as in quick response aircraft, mm. are fully armed. I would imagine they must be. I hope we haven't got any photos. Unfortunately, of, of our uh, own, no. of our own. No. I would, don't think I would assume any. so. I mean, otherwise they, yeah. You know, no, we haven't. Uh, otherwise, they're there. not not being funny. If it if it did sort of essentially refuse to leave leave airspace, <laughs> there's not a lot they can do about no, it. Not really. If, if they haven't got something. I don't, I don't think they're shooting down. No, that that would well, be that would be yeah something. Uh, well, it depends right if if they continue to 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 sort of not respond to commands and stuff. I mean, it would it mm. could happen. 
So next story. Anyway, yes, the next story. Another story that I I pinned you. I think absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, this is this is a sort of very sad story, really. Um, But with a with a good outcome. With a good outcome from the crew. This is on Flight Global, and the headline is "Crew Safe After B52 Crash in Guam." Uh, all seven crew members from a Boeing B-52H escaped unharmed after the U.S. Air Force bomber crashed shortly after takeoff from Anderson AFB Guam on the 19th of May. The services Pacific Air Forces PACAF says pictures from the scene showed the B-52 wreckage near the Anderson uh, flight line. The incident is under investigation and measures to uh, mitigate possible environmental impacts are being taken. Uh, The accident occurred at around 8.30 local time uh, while the crew from 69th uh, Expeditionary Bomb Squadron was on a route deployment from Minnow, uh, North Dakota. Three bombers have crashed either on takeoff or on approach to Anderson since 2008, including another B-52 back in 2008 and a Northrop, Northrop Grumman B-2 that very same year. Very sad indeed for the air, I mean the aircraft yeah. lost there the, the, whole the loss. crew are, are um, in a good uh, survived which is which is fantastic but these these aircraft it's been said before in in previous uh, um, other shows and stuff that the, these b fifty twos are are really well built right you know they okay. are like they are like flying tanks of the okay. sky yeah and it just shows that you know the crew did manage to to get out of this aircraft, mm. and um, you know. W- and, okay. What's the approach like to Anderson Airport then? Is, is, I mean, is that a factor? It just seems a bit strange that that there have been. It's not the first B fifty two to go down there. That's. I mean, yeah, what, what's the what, you know what are the well, environmental I'm just, I'm factors looking that they're talking about? Uh, notable accidents mm. um, of the B fifty two. There has been a few incidents in over the, over the years. Yeah. Uh, the first one being in 1957 right. uh, of a B-52 returning to Loring Air Force mm. Base, uh, broke apart in mid-air yeah. and crashed near, near Morrell, New Brunswick, okay. killing eight crew members on board. Um, there's been various incidents during the 50s. Um, there was some during the 60s as well. Mm. We had a few in the 70s, some in the 80s as well, uh, right through to, to that, the one that happened this week. Um, the one before this was on the 21st of July 2008, wow. uh, where one that was deployed to Barksdale Air Force, Louisiana, mm-hmm. uh, crashed 25 miles off the coast of Guam. All six crew members were killed, yeah. um, which was obviously very sad. That was a B-52H. Yeah, um, but no, it, it's I mean it's just as well these guys got out, so it's a good outcome from that. But. Mm. Um, uh, Mike, so. Mike, Mike has just just said in the chat room actually yes sir but remember uh, how many years the B fifty two has been in service and how many models there are oh yeah definitely you know that this aircraft mm. first flew in on the fifteenth of April nineteen fifty two wow nineteen fifty two wow yeah H- hence being the B fifty two yeah introduced into service in February nineteen fifty five yeah only only the Model H is flying now yeah say. the Model yeah. H um, it uh, it I'm trying to look. Here we go. It uh, it's obviously in service with uh, the United States Air Force, uh, and also there has been 744 in total built through the different um, models. Right. Blimey. Which is yeah, a lot of aircraft. Yeah, the one that crashed was apparently built in 1960. So Mr. Warner was saying. Ah right. Okay. See that. This is why we have a chat. This is what people. we love about. I chat know. I love the chat. Yes, absolutely. 
The next story is on the Flight Global site, mm-hmm. and it's a picture story. Ooh, uh, we'll good. bring Matt will bring those up in a bit. And uh, the Saab, the headline: Saab rolls out the first Gripen E fighter. Ooh. So Saab has unveiled its next generation Gripen E fighter, some year, three years before delivering its first of at least ninety-six production examples to mm-hmm. the air forces of Sweden and Brazil. The, uh, it uh, rolled out at the Swedish manufacturer's Link Oping site in Sweden uh, on the 18th of May. Uh, aircraft 39-A is the first of three test aircraft which will support the Gripen E program. It will be handed over to the flight test department at the site this summer and is on track to make its first debut flight before the end of this year. The company says and it will also be used uh, initially to verify the evolved design, general systems, airframe and aerodynamics. Additional two Swedish test assets are already in different stages of a structural assembly. Uh, one test aircraft will also be manufactured for Brazil, uh, with this to undergo around one year of flight testing in Sweden before being transferred to a new facility at the local partner Embraer Gavio Piexoto site later this decade. Uh, Sweden has ordered 60 Gripenese, while Brazil will acquire an initial batch of 36 uh, 28 single seat. Uh, NG examples and eight twin seat aircraft, including local assembled units. Speaking out, uh, speaking at the rollout, uh, Brazilian Air Force Commander General Brigadier Nivaldo Luiz Rosato uh, described the development of the advanced combat aircraft as a significant milestone in the history of both countries. He adds, "The Gripen NG will represent a major advance in face uh, any threats to airspace sovereignty. These fighters will be back the backbone of the Brazilian Air Force." Uh, powered by the GE Aviation F414 turbofan engine, the Gripen E will offer an increased range and payload and endurance performance over the legacy Gripen C and D. And we'll also have updated avionics, and electronic warfare systems, and an active electronically scanned array radar. Mm-hmm. This is the only fighter program on time on, and on budget, uh, says Ulf Nilsson. Saab's head of aeronautics initial operations capability is planned to be achieved by the Swedish Air Force in 2021, with full capabilities to be declared two years later. Cool. And we've got some pictures. If we just yep. bring okay. that back up there. There yep. we go of the aircraft in question. Wow. Looking rather stunning there. It's always quite nice when it's been lit professionally. With yes. A nice black I curtain. Like it looks, really looks quite beautiful, doesn't it? Very nice yeah, looking jet absolutely. indeed. It's a shame they didn't get that uh, to uh, Riyadh. That'd be nice to see mm, that at Riyadh. Yes, it would. Year. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, this is our final story, and uh, that falls with me. This is on Flight Global again, and the headline is USN to deploy new tube-launched UAV. Tube-launched? Wow. The US Navy is to deploy a newly developed tube-launched unmanned air vehicle able to launch from below or above the surface of the ocean from either a manned or unmanned underwater vehicle. Uh, Aerovironments Blackwing was developed for a USN and Special Operations Unit Joint uh, Capability Technology Demonstration contracted in 2013. The USN has now recommended its operational deployment on its back on, on the back of a successful test effort. Blackwing carries a miniature electro-optical infrared payload and a selective availability anti-spoofing module. Aerovironments systems operate via a common ground control station. 
which also uh, which also allows for ease of transition between the family of systems. In addition to submarines and UUVs, uh, Blackwind can also be launched and controlled from surface vessels and ground vehicles to provide rapid response reconnaissance for forces and control of the UAV can be integrated into the vehicle's software. The availability, the ability, sorry, to launch at UAVs from other host platforms has gained a great deal of interest in recent years as operators have realized that a submarine's torpedo tubes or flare dispensers on an aircraft can be utilized to carry an intelligence surveillance system. The US is taking a lead in this area with the Naval Research Laboratory in 2013 announcing that it had successfully demonstrated the deployment of the XFC electric canister launched UAV from a submarine's torpedo tube. That's quite cool, isn't it? And the Pentagon is also understood to be experimenting with Lockheed Martin's F-16 and Boeing FA-18s launching micro-UAVs from their flare dispensers. Footage emerged of an F-16 deploying experimental unmanned systems during a flight test earlier this year. In April, the U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency awarded Phase 1 contracts to Composite Engineering, uh, Dynatex, uh, Dyn, Dyn, yeah, Dynatex, uh, General Atomics Aeronautical Systems and Lockheed Martin for its Gremlins project, which seeks to launch groups of small UAVs from bombers, cargo aircraft or fighters and recover them via a Lockheed Martin C-130 transport. It's amazing what, the heck, what they're doing with all these different UAVs mm -hmm. and stuff yeah. now. Different yeah. design. I mean, it's, it's not just like quadcopters and stuff like that and the, and the usual UAVs you mm -hmm. see in the sky. There's, there's so many different... Ways well, and of course that they're using UA UAVs. Now. You see, I, I can see sort of warfare being very, very different, and I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm not the mm. only one sort of who feels about this. I mean, warfare in 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 the future is going to be very, very different to to what we've experienced with previous conflicts. I think it's going to have less and less people physically involved mm. uh, on the ground, isn't it? Which well, I mean, I'd rather there was no wars at all, to be honest. Well, true. But, but uh, there we are. I guess that isn't going to happen in this day and age, is it? No, so that's it, the last story then for mm. the military uh, segment. We have got uh, some feedback we uh, have. to play you. Yep. And uh, this feedback has been sent in by Shrup Barker, who's yep. in the chat room now. I think he's in there somewhere mm. having a chat with everyone else in the chat room who've been busy, busy, uh, well, busy discussing various things in, their, in the chat room tonight. So <laughs> it's been a busy uh, chat room, good, yeah. on, good on everyone. Mm. So we are going to play that feedback for yep. you right okay. now. Hello Carlos and hello Matt. This is Sjoerdbakker from the Netherlands with a bit of aviation news. You guys requested audio feedback several times, so this is a bit of audio news. Let's find out if it works. This is an article by the NOS, that's a Dutch news agency funded by tax money. It says, Willem-Alexander is to convert his type rating into a Boeing rating. And Willem-Alexander is, of course, his Royal Highness Willem-Alexander, King of the Netherlands. And the article says that sometime in 2017 he will be trained to fly a Boeing 737. The governmental news service has confirmed this but emphasizes that the type rating conversion has nothing to do with the new governmental airplane on which the government has to decide. The King has a type rating on the Fokker 70 and flies it regularly. And the current airplane of the government is also a Fokker 70. The KLM operates a number of these aircraft in the city hopper fleet for which the King is a guest pilot. That's not a test pilot, that's a guest pilot. 
The governmental news agency has stated that the king wants to remain a guest pilot. Two years ago, the KLM has decided to retire the Fokker 70 aircraft in 2018 at the latest. They will be replaced by Embraers. And the governmental news agency cannot tell where the king is going to be trained and how long it is going to take. This is me talking now, and um, well, I find it quite cool to think that um, when you're taking a trip in uh, KLM City Hop or Fokker 70, uh, the chances are that it is piloted by your own king. And um, I think it's uh, it's a reasonable choice to go for the 73, and uh, the KLM operates a lot of them, so there's uh, enough choice for the guest flights. And um, yeah, the government has always had good relationships with. Um, American aircraft manufacturers. Okay, that's it. Thanks for all the shows and bye bye. And thank you very much indeed for that piece of audio feedback, mm. Stuart. Thank you. Yeah. Just, uh, it's quite interesting actually to hear about that. The King, I'd never realised, you know, I never, obviously never knew. No. Obviously, it wasn't my strongest subject at school, unfortunately. But uh, any subjects at school, you're strong. No, no, none at all. <laughs> Aviation was the best one. Right, okay. Um, yeah. um, what, what, who, who taught that class? <laughs> I don't know. But the king, the king of the Netherlands then, mm. and I was just looking, William Alexander, he actually, uh, just looking up some background on, on him, and he actually spent a month flying in Kenya oh, wow. uh, for the Kenya Wildlife Service, Yeah, uh, which is quite interesting. But uh, it's, it, it's awesome to have uh, a king who's also a pilot. Yeah. How, how cool is that? I mean, that's brilliant. That is As you brilliant. do. No, but As thanks very do. much for that uh, feedback. Indeed. Uh, if you'd like to send us your good. own feedback, which we, we'd be eternally grateful for, oh, yeah. grateful for uh, there are a couple of ways you can do it. Uh, I've forgotten to look up the telephone number, so maybe you can look it up for me as it is. But you can... He's not even listening to me, is he? Um, the telephone number. Oh, the telephone yes, number. Yes, absolutely. While, while he's looking that up for me, uh, you can send information. You've got it in your phone. Um, oh, yes. sorry. <laughs> uh, while he's looking that up for me, uh, yes, it's to send us your feedback. Uh, if you are in a position to be able to record it on a device and send it to us, just like Stuart has, then please, by all means, do it using podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's our email address, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. If you are not uh, able to do that, but you are able to phone a UK landline number, uh, why not give us a ring, leave a message on our answer phone, and that is 012239 111355 so 012239113555 and then we can lift your 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 voice feel, feedback if you like directly yeah. from it's, it's a bit like uh, what Jeff has with Speakpipe yeah um you know you you, you call the number yeah. as such and then you leave a, and you leave, leave a message, leave a message absolutely. Uh, and and the audio quality is is really good so yeah it is it's yeah it's not fantastic bad. Uh, uh, other ways to get in touch with the show of course don't forget it is our website it's www.plaintalkinguk.com and it is facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk and our twitter handle is at plain talking uk youtube is youtube.com forward slash plain talking uk and if you want to watch the show when it goes out live it's youtube.com forward slash plain talking uk forward slash live so do please contact us we want to hear from you we want to hear yeah, what you've got to tell us and any other bits of uh, uh, news that you have for us on the show we, we really do appreciate very much all so. the feedback yeah, yeah absolutely because this show is made for you at the end of it the day. is yeah and we, do. Uh, we always appreciate uh, any any feedback or comments however good or bad because as i say we want to make the show as good as we can for you if you've got any ideas that you think we that we should include in the show then please do send it in we'd be more than happy to uh, to try and facilitate your every need 
So we have uh, had some other feedback as well. Um, just and this goes back uh, to one of our guests yes. uh, a, f- yeah. a, a few weeks back now. Who's in the chat room? He is indeed. Hello, David. So, hello, David. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Corston, he's yep. in the chat room. Remember we had David Corston in the studio. We actually had him in here. I know, in, very exciting. Studio. Yep. And um, he was chatting all about uh, his career that he's now starting mm. with, uh, with, uh, with flying, which is uh, cool. Mike, Mike has suggested positive comments, more Gemma. <sighs> <laughs> she's unfortunately she's gone upstairs now yes, to indeed. have her tea. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> Micah. Um, <laughs> back to the case at hand. Indeed, yes. Well, we had uh, we had a message um, uh, from uh, David, uh, mm. and uh, he just uh, he sent this message saying, "I hope everything is okay." Uh, he just wanted to let us all know, including the uh, PTUK community that uh, his blog is now up and running. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and his blog uh, address is uh, all the W's dot David or Davy Davy Aviation. So D A V I A T I O N dot net. Yep. Uh, there's uh, not a huge amount up there on the site, he says it yet, but uh, it should get more interesting as uh, he yep. progresses. Uh, in, if you can uh, read it on the show, which we are. Yes, indeed. And also, uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, we're going to put that page up yeah, for you now. Absolutely. So you can see what the page looks like yeah. on the screen. There we, there go. we go. There's the yeah. deviation. So, uh, and basically what's going to appear on here is, that, as I say, when, when he gave us his, his great interview, uh, and we were talking about, uh, basically, it's his journey. And I know several of the people in the chat room at the moment obviously have been through this said journey uh, and David is basically going to blog um, uh, what he has to go through essentially to uh, essentially to become uh, hopefully a commercial pilot that is that is the aim so uh, yes it's uh, it's all good it's um, yeah that's 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 more or less it he's got loads of bits and pieces on there pictures yeah. and all bits and pieces there we Absolutely. go and uh, yeah he's, he's put at the bottom there we go he's been accepted to CTC yes that's where it started yeah yes so there we go look on his site then yep and uh, deviation there dot net and you can follow uh, follow all david's bits and yeah. pieces about his so uh, d a v i a t i o n dot net yeah well yeah. done well done david so that is where we have to bring i'm afraid episode number 113 to a close i can't believe we're at 113 i can't believe it was 13 weeks ago that we did the show from from Norwich that is that is just crazy. Isn't Blimey, it? thirteen weeks ago—that's a long while ago is, and a cold, yeah, long, yeah, while absolutely, ago was, yeah, it's yeah, a lot, a lot warmer than it was. But yeah, that's it. That's where we have to bring episode number one hundred and thirteen to a close. A uh, big thank you to everyone in the chat room for joining us tonight. Very, very, yeah, very, very busy, busy in the show. chat room tonight, mm. and we do really do appreciate you guys tuning in yeah. every week. Uh, with that, kind of keeps me and Matt, you know. Keeps me in that nice absolutely. and cozy. Uh, thanks, nice and cozy. as always, to absolutely everyone who donates via Patreon and anyone who's been using the Amazon links and all that kind of thing. Your support is very much appreciated. So from all of us here in the studio oh, in... Next week, are we going to... I don't saying? know. We'll have we to don't talk. Know. Keep your eyes yeah, open on yeah. the Facebook page. I, and I don't know when I'm working yet, so I've just got to make sure. I, you know. So it could be Friday, it could be Saturday. We're yep. not 100 percent sure, but no. we'll we will let you know what day we're recording. Just follow us, the, you know, on yeah, the usual absolutely. usual ways yeah. that uh, that you do. Yeah. As soon as we know, obviously, we will let you know, and we'll do that via Facebook and Twitter. But anyway, that's it from all of us here in the studio. It is a very very merry goodbye. goodbye.